Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. Edward Jones Financial Advisors Todd Nash in Coralville, Travis Whitmore in North Liberty, and Jeff Rudolph, Kelly Barta, Adela Hunter, and Scott McGill in Iowa City understand this. For all of your investment needs, visit edwardjones.com or call and stop by an office. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. This is Rob Howe. Happy to be back again with Mike Humple from Humple Chiropractic in North Liberty with our backer to cracker tip of the week. Mike, what do you got for us? Rob, today we're talking about tech neck, or some people call it text neck. You know, we, many of us have smartphones now, or especially with the with COVID pandemic, we're at home working on computers. So we've got that technology in front of us, and that tends to lead us to slouching and, and hunching over and looking down, those kinds of things. Neck pain, headaches develop, back pains develops. So the four tips to avoid tech neck, I would say, Number one, just sit in a neutral position where your ears are over top of your shoulders. Don't allow your head to fall forward and ears get out over in front of your shoulders. So it helps you sit up straight, ears over the shoulders. Number two, hold your phone at eye level when you're using your phone. It may seem a little awkward at first, but if you can bring, just bring your phone up so your head doesn't have to go down, that will also assist you in keeping your ears over your shoulders, keeping that more neutral posture. And number three, if you want to look down at your device, Try not to bend your head and neck down. Instead, look down with your eyes, okay? Our eyes can move too, and they can help limit the amount of motion um, and forward bend we put in our neck and heads. And then lastly, just try to avoid, using, uh, uh, avoid spending too much time using your device um, and just do take frequent breaks. We all know we're going to use them, use them frequently. You know, we'll tell our kids, you know, shouldn't be on that device when we're probably on it twice as much as they are sometimes. So just, just, just try to put the phone down, put the technology down, and give yourself frequent breaks if you can. That'll really help improve your overall comfort, improve your posture, and reduce the amount of headaches or neck pain that you get from sitting at your work computer or being on your phone. I think a lot of people are shaking their head yes right now and relating to what that tip of the week covered. And if you'd like to get more information from Mike and check his business out at Humple Chiropractic, you can... Check him out at humplechiro.com. Give him a call at 319-325-3558. And they are located at 1295 Jordan Street, Suite 6B in North Liberty, Iowa, 522-173-17. Welcome back to the Seven Nation podcast here at Your Prep Sports. I am Rob Howe, joined as always by... Ryan Merkin, and we will not be driving to Cedar Falls this week um, for the first time this month, I think, uh, or at least the last few weeks. But uh, enjoyable trips up there, Ryan. It was uh, a season to remember for Regina football. It, w- it really was. and I mean, it, it, we talked about this on the way, Rob, but you look back at, at the postseason and we talked about how they were just rolling through it kind of the way that we thought they would. And that was even kind of at the end of the season, I think, as we were talking about that. Um, and then they have that game with Wopsy. 
and you know they need a late touchdown drive to win that thing and we, we kind of talked about it at the time and I know I mentioned this going all the way back to, to their string of six state championships almost every year they had you know maybe not a game that close but you know they I know one year they um they needed overtime to beat South Wind. They had a really good quarterfinal with Pella Christian one year. I think they had a really good semifinal with Pella Christian one year. It's like they've always, you know, they've had these tight games and they just, you know, it's it's like a Dowling or like a, you know, in, in college, it's like a Alabama or Clemson type where, where they just, they're so used to winning. Those, you know, and even a group like this that you know, they played in a championship as freshmen, but that, that culture, that, that winning mentality is so ingrained in these kids that they just know how to make plays when they have to. And then they got up to the Unidome and I mean, it's so easy to talk about, right. That you want to get to the end of the season and play your best games and really hard to do that, you know, partly because of the level of competition you play in those, in the, in the Unidome every year, but man, I watched almost all the, those games because I'm a, I'm a dork. Um, and I have very little going on, Rob, so I have time to do that stuff. But I don't know if there's a team that – maybe Ankeny, maybe a team that played two better games yeah. at the Unidome than what Regina did. I mean, I don't know what their coaches say and how they graded out or whatever, but if they didn't play, you know, A-plus a games, they certainly played a their A games, back-to-back games to end the season. They were incredible. I mean, and I, I, you know, I, I'm interested to hear what you think about it, but I thought both those games, I think they played two really good teams. I mean, I really do. I, I think the best teams in the state were at the Unidome in Class A. They, you know, St. Ansgar and, and Grundy Center both presented unique opportun- or unique uh, challenges to Regina, and, man, they were up to them in every way. I thought they were fantastic, all three phases of the game, Rob, in back-to-back games. Yeah, I would agree. I was at uh... – I actually was at all three games. I was at the Wapsie game as well. And as you mentioned, that was their toughest game. Uh, I would have liked to have seen how Wapsie would have done against St. Ansgar or uh, Grundy Center. Yeah. I, that team, the, we talked about it before on the here, Ryan. It's about matchups. Yes. And St. Ansgar and Grundy Center were very run-centric. They really leaned on their running games, whereas Wapsie was a little more balanced and I think gave Regina a little bit more trouble in that regard. But I don't know how Wapsie would have matched up against the running games of those other two teams. But uh, without question, the best team is the state champion. They proved it, um, pulled that game out against Wapsie, and then just rolled at the Dome. I mean, they were up, what, 31-7 at halftime? Yeah. On, on, you know, during the championship game? That's, that's pretty dominant when you're 31-7 you're against, you know, the number one ranked team in the state. Yeah, they, they had a stretch there. And, look, I mean, some things went their way, you could say, um, but it was also about they executed those things to make them go their way. You know, they had an onside kick. You know, I, I had the game. I went back and watched it. They executed that the way that you draw. I mean, if you execute yeah. an onside kick, it can be hard to stop. They executed it. They recovered a fumble that set up a short field. They brought a blitz. They got home. Theo Coley knocked the ball out. That's, that's executing the play, right? I mean, and so, yeah, you can look at it, but man, they had a, uh, they took a 10-7 lead with a field goal with 9.27 left in the first half. 
scored a touchdown with 8.05 left, scored another touchdown with 5.12 left, and then scored a touchdown with 47 seconds left. So, I mean, they just went boom, 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 and that game was over by the time you got to halftime. Um, the onside came after the field goal, right? It was 10-7. Yep. Yeah, that's, yeah it, that takes some stones, if I can does. use that term. Marv, absolutely. <laughs> Marv Cook got asked about it after the game, and I thought his, you know, his answer was interesting. He, he said, you know, they, they had a good offense. You know, Grundy Center just had a 13-play 80-yard drive that right. took 6.09 off the clock that tied it at 7. So they'd kind of found something with their passing game a little bit. Regina, I thought I, – I, I want to point this out. I want to talk about their defense. I thought Regina had an incredible defensive plan. Um, and I'll get to that in a second, but he said they just had a long drive. They they saw an opportunity, you know, to to get the ball back and maybe maybe a make or break type play in that game. And, and the thing that I thought was really interesting that he said, Rob, was he talked about how good of a of a soccer player Alec was, but how good of a kicker he was. And they just thought that it, more or less. I'm paraphrasing, but I think the way he said it, I had this quote in my story was, "If you've got something that good." Why leave it in the bag? And I just think I told you multiple times, and, and I was actually direct messaging with um, Ed Hinkle after the game that night, and I didn't give him a hard time, but I, I kept saying a trick play was coming. And they had a trick play on their first scoring drive. They got us, was it after a punt? It, it, was a, it was the first play after a punt, I believe. And they went, re, I guess you'd call it double reverse, mm-hmm. and then tossed the pitch back to, to Ashton Cook, who threw a 30 yard pass. But the Onside kick, I think, is the same type of thing where you knew something like that. from You know Regina had been working on that mm-hmm. late in the season. I remember one time, you know, week six, week seven, you said, you know, what's Regina do in this game? They had an opponent that on paper they, they would overmatch. And those are the types of things that this coaching staff has done so well where I will guarantee you that they repped some onside kick stuff that week in practice, knowing that they're not going to do it, knowing that they're not going to do it in the first round of the playoffs, knowing that they're probably not going to need it in the second round of the playoffs. You know, they hadn't showed any of this stuff, but you know they've repped it in practice. And I think that's what Marv was alluding to when he said, basically, we felt so good about that play. It was too high percentage, too good of a play with too good of a kicker to not use it. And they executed it really well. Um, and, and that was the turning point. I mean, they scored, they scored um, five play, 48-yard drive in a minute 18, and it's 24-7. And after that, I mean, you have a – 17 point lead or excuse me it's 17 7 after that not only do you have a 10 point lead but they just turned their defense loose after that rob against a team that that really wanted to run it um and that was just virginia's defense playing the way they were after that second half against st ansgar which we talked about talked a lot about i thought they were really good in that second half and then they just were playing at a different level especially after they got that early lead um, they just kind of turned them loose, man, and, and they were really good up front. Jackson Mills, uh, Josh Gaffey, um, you know, Ronan Poynton again, all those guys up front, um, you know, they, they were Andrew Weiss. They, they were really good. I mean, I told you this on the way home. This isn't a knock on Regina, but there's on, on their guys up front. I knew they were good up front. The path I thought for them, for Grundy Center to win, had to be to be better up front because you're just not going to be better than Regina at the skill positions mm-hmm. when they've got Theo Coley and Alec Wick and, and Ashton Cook. They're, you're just not going to be better at them at those skill positions. And not only was Regina better up front, Rob, 
they just they were dominant. And like I said, I was pretty impressed by 21, 74, and seeing those guys up close. I mean, Grundy Center, I, I'm not saying Grundy Center wasn't good up front, Rob. I just thought Regina had took it to another level at the Unidome, especially in those final six quarters, man. They were dynamite. Yeah, agreed. And, and you know, in a game when, you know, the other team obviously knows the weapons that Regina has and, and what it needs to take away, it was unable to do that. A lot of that happens because of what happens up front. Theo Coley, 29 carries, 124 and five touchdowns. That's a pretty good championship game. Ashton Cook, 17 of 24 for 325 and two touchdowns. He also rushed nine times for 42 yards. And then Alec Wick was, uh, yeah, nine catches, 226 and a touchdown. Um, he averaged 44 yards on two punts, uh, had a nine-yard punt return, uh, field goal. Um, uh, so he kicked off seven times, had four touchbacks <laughs> on those. I mean, you know, and after the, after the game, he helped sanitize the, the, the dome for <laughs> the next games. He did, he did some janitorial work up there. He was driving the gator around. <laughs> yeah, Man. I mean, it, you know, I mean, it, it, forever is a long time, Ryan. But I think Regina is going to be hard pressed to get a quarterback, a receiver, and a running back of that caliber on the same team again. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's it's interesting too because Theo Coley really kind of emerged at the end of last year when he kind of solidified that job as the lead running back and then just, and, and you know, Ed Hinkle and Marv Cook both talked about this every time I talked to him this year, they're like, he gets better every time he plays, you know, picked up the sport late later than a lot of kids. Um, but man, his style, I tweeted this during the game. The more I watched him, his style was perfect for that offense. You know, Regina spreads you out because they are so, because you know, Levi Quinlan had another good game. Yeah. Rob, he had two catches for 53 yards. Um, and they spread you out because they have these weapons outside. And then the way his, his running style, it's kind of that, you know, one cut slashing, you know, get, he is, he got, he was so good and, and just the perfect back. And then his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, you know, he had three catches for 24 yards in the championship. Uh, what did he have three, five for 68 or no, that was three for 55, excuse me, in the semifinal. So, he, he was so good. And then Alec Wick, I mean, what can you say? I have his numbers here. He, with nine catches in that game, he became the all-time he, – he has the most receptions ever for an 11-man player in, for a career in state history um, with 242. And when you look at who else is on the top of that list, Rob, it's – I mean, he, he – Oliver Martin had the record at 233. Um, you know, we both watched Oliver and, or excuse me at 239. Um, and we both covered Oliver and saw him play TJ Hawkinson. Cool. So the top two guys are Iowa City guys. That's pretty cool. Yep. And TJ Hawkinson is is now third. He was second with 238, and Bomb. he's having an okay okay career Bomb. right now. So <laughs> I mean, so yeah, you look That's at that. And it, it I mean, clearly, and, and then he's 
3,655 career receiving yards. That's third all time. This is all 11, man. Any class, but all 11, man. Um, that's third all time. And that, that list is a lot of the same, same guys. Levi Jungling from Pella Christian. Mm-hmm. TJ Hawkinson's up there. Oliver Martin's up there. Um, you know, so a lot of guys that, are, that have been really good players. And then he, with that touchdown, he finished with 38 career touchdowns. Um, which is sixth all time. So, and, and Rob, I haven't even gotten into. I have. I haven't done this yet. Um, and I have the. I, I'm going to write more about Alec here coming up in a little bit. Um, so, Regina fans, keep an eye out for that. And I have this, but I'm looking at most um, most receiving yards in a season, and the record's 1600. I think he finished right around 14. I have it here somewhere so I can tell you. You you probably have his stats. 1401 this year for Alec Wick. So um top ten all time for single season um in receiving Fewer games yards. Too. Yeah, in, in eleven games. You know, and I don't know, I haven't looked at every person on that list, but you know, hypothetically, I know the leader uh on that list is um or two of the top three guys are or two of the top three, two of the top four receivings are the same guy from West Sioux who played with Hunter Deckers and they were in state championships both those years. So I'm assuming mm-hmm. they played 13 or 14. Um, but anyway, incredible career for Alec Wick. Um, incredible season from him. Each of the last two years, Rob, he played 11 games. Uh, he was hurt last year, obviously got hurt in the quarterfinal. But listen to these last two years. As a junior, 79 receptions for 1,161 yards and 14 TDs in 11 games. This year, 75 receptions for, like I said, 1,401 yards and 16 TDs uh, in 11 games over the last two years. So pretty incredible stuff from a kid that, you know, I wrote about this before the game. I talked to Marv Cook about him. Um, he's fast. He's, he's not the fastest receiver I've ever seen. He's a, I think they list him at 6'1", 180, which I think is probably pretty spot on. So he's, he's good-sized, but he's not – you know, I, I mentioned Oliver Martin and, and TJ Hawkinson, who, do not get me wrong, two, two incredibly, incredibly – two of the most – I saw TJ Hawkinson, never saw him play football in person, saw him play basketball. They played solo at the state championship that year. Not at all surprised that he's in the NFL. Just one of those guys that you see his explosiveness on the basketball court and you're like, this guy's different. Oliver Martin – Incredible, incredible player. I loved watching Oliver, one of the best high school football players I've ever seen. But, again, not as big as those guys, not as fast as those guys. If he um, was if he was as big as those guys, he'd be a Division I football player. He'd already have I, all. But I, I, I'm not taking anything away from, from Oliver, who I watched a lot. But I don't know if I've ever seen a high school kid as good as Alec at the intangible type. I mean, he's kind of the whole package, but – He's really good in routes, but you saw this in the state championship game and everybody in the state saw this, whatever you want to call it, the hand-eye coordination, the body control. I mean, he is he, like that catch he made on the sideline, Rob. It's just, toe a, tap, I mean, if anything, it was right in front of me and he tracked that thing all the way. And it's he awareness that, to be exactly. aware where the ball's coming and then exactly. having awareness to get your feet down and still make the catch. That's, um, he, that's, that's you, something you don't teach. That's kind of, you know, a innate ability to be able to do something like that. He does that stuff like, like high-level – that stuff, like yeah. high-level college-type – pro. 
you, I was sitting in the end zone next to KJ Pilcher from the Cedar Rapids Gazette, and I know KJ tweeted this out or quote tweeted a tweet and said that we were sitting there and you could see it. You could see him turn. He saw that ball about halfway there and already knew what he had to do to catch it. Like he knew the only way that he could make that play was to, and he got both feet in, <laughs> but yeah. he just, like you said, you can't, you can maybe work on that stuff. you know, do that type of stuff, but you either have that type of skill. And he actually made another catch in that game. Um, that was about a 25, 30 yarder, like a, that he kind of laid out for. It was, it was just incredible. And then the 88 yard touchdown was maybe my favorite play. That just reminded me of the, you know, two on two flag football in the backyard when you're playing with yeah. your, when I'm playing with my brother and you, you point, you know, he just kind of like <laughs> him and Alec or him and Ashton cook. I asked both of them about it. And Ashton said, they just kind of locked eyes. And it was just like, all right, you turn and go. And I'm going to put it where only you can get it. And threw it right over the corner's head and he never saw it. And, but you're right. I mean, watching the, just those two guys play together and Theo Coley set the, set the championship game record with five touch, five rushing touchdowns. Alec Wick set the Class A championship game record with 226 receiving yards. Regina had 534 total yards, which is a Class A game championship record. 52 points ties the record. No records for that stuff, but I want to make sure that we, we talk about Ashton Cook, Rob. Two games at the Unidome this year, 34-47, 576 yards, three touchdowns, 85 rushes, four touchdowns. I mean, that's, that's almost – I mean, it's not perfect football. There's no such thing, but you, you can't get better than that. No interceptions. Yeah. I mean, you can't you – can't, no turnovers. You can't get better than that. I mean, and, and if you want to know why Regina had you know, 534 yards and 458 total yards, so they averaged basically 500 yards of offense against the number one and number two ranked teams in the state. I mean, he was running that offense at such a high level. Um, and that really, I'm not taking, I mean, that sets everything up. His ability to, he, he, he dominated, he can dominate those games with, just with his mind, you know, with, with the reads he's making in the run game and the pass game. And he was on point in both those games. But, I mean, what's especially impressive is you look at the numbers that both those teams had defensively. I mean, Grundy Center was giving up like four points in 150 yards a game. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Regina averages like eight yards a play. Um, so just really, really, really impressive stuff. I, I mean, like I said, all three phases of the game, they were fantastic. Um, special teams were really good. They didn't miss kicks. Um, you know, they covered kicks, covered punts, punted well. Tip of the hat to them. They were the most dominant team I think I saw up there all weekend. Um, they just and, and the other cool thing for them too is you play. I, we haven't talked about that. You play number one and number two. And we talked, we did talk about before the Grundy Center game. That was the matchup. You know, they didn't have a an upset or anything like that, you know, that that people could say they benefited from. They beat the best teams. And and like you said, I'm not sure that um Wapsie Valley wasn't in that, you know, conversation as being a top five team too. Yeah. So they they certainly proved themselves. Impressive run. Impressive run. That it was. I oh, I did want to say, Rob, quickly, I I could be wrong on this, and, and I'd like to hear what you saw from field level. Defensively, it looked like to me the first couple drives that they really wanted to give they – they obviously wanted to take away the run. I mean, 
We should mention that Grundy lost the running back too. Yeah, Not that did. the outcome would have been different, but that I think psychologically that hit him. He was a heck of a player too. And yeah. um, he got hurt pretty early, but on both sides, because he was really active as a linebacker on those yep. first couple of drives as well. I mean, he was probably, I, I, you know, I watched him, I watched three quarters of their semifinal game and then watched, you know, him play for a quarter or whatever it was. He was probably their best all-around football player. Mm-hmm. And you just you, – you always feel for a kid, you know, that can't, um, can't finish a game or whatever. But that, that was, you know, again, like you said, is it going to be going to change the outcome? Probably not. But I agree with you. I mean, that just – that kind of happened when things – when the ball was rolling for Regina in that second quarter. And that was just another thing that I think kind of yeah. – I think Regina started feeling like, you know, they could do no wrong. And Grundy Center started kind of feeling during that stretch like everything was going against them. But – the first couple drives, especially, obviously Regina wants to take away the run game, right? I mean, they're averaging 298 rushing yards a game. They just ran it for 450. But it just seemed like they loaded the box, Rob, and really wanted to give the illusion that they were – that Grundy had um, – they wanted to give them what, what looked like pass looks, but they were – basically they were daring them to throw it, and then they were still able they, – they were like, hey, you know, you have this – you have this bubble screen, you have five yards here, you have this short out and they were running it and Regina was stopping those plays for a yard or two. And so I just thought they had a really good plan. I'm not sure. I can't give you better coach speak than that, but they stuffed up the run, but you know, they, they took Grundy out of it. Those first couple of drives. I think they threw it five of their first six plays, mm-hmm. um, you know, just by giving it, just by really loading it and giving those appearances. Um, so again, I don't know enough about football. And again, I haven't gone back and watched that, but kudos to their stat, to their defensive staff, Jason Dumont and those guys, because Mark Mitchell, I really did think they, they kind of, and I'm maybe Grundy center totally, you know, maybe this isn't what happened, but I thought they took them out of what they wanted to do from the very beginning and, and maybe, maybe confused them a little bit as well. Yeah, I agree. I think um, when Grundy went back and looked at the film, they were probably like, this does not look like us. And a lot of that goes right. to, a lot of that credit goes to Regina by taking them out of what they wanted to do. Right. Yep. Well said. All right, Ryan, that'll be a wrap on Regina football. Look for uh, look at uh, yourprepsports.com. Ryan's going to have some more um, recap and look back for Regina football on the website. Um, Staying in Iowa City and staying with the sport of football, kind of, you probably knew this was coming, but I kind of saw it come out of nowhere on Sunday on my Twitter timeline, Ryan. Uh, City High replacing longtime head coach Dan Sabers, who chose to uh, retire this earlier this month, and Iowa, or, uh, Iowa City, City High. Looks like it's going to hire uh, – Pending board approval, uh, Mitch Moore from Des Moines Roosevelt. I will, uh, I'll just give people his coaching timeline here. Yeah. He is a graduate, a, a 2002 graduate of uh, Ballard of Huxley, then a graduate of University of Wisconsin Whitewater, a very good uh, smaller division college football program. Started as an assistant at Wauwatosa West High School in Milwaukee. Then he went back to his alma mater, assistant at University of Wisconsin-Whitewater, assistant at Southeastern Oklahoma State, assistant at Iowa State. I believe he worked in recruiting there. Took over as the head coach of Greene County in Jefferson, Iowa, uh, and then went and 
did a pretty damn good job at Des Moines Roosevelt, Ryan. That's not an easy place to win. Right. And from everybody I've talked to and, and even some people that I don't know, and and of course there's going to be the, you know, everybody's going to, you've seen it on Twitter the last couple of days, you know, how many people saying that, you know, that no coach more and say that he's, he's um, done a really good job, but I've heard this for several years, Rob, and I'm not, I'm not just saying this. And it's part of it is I know some people in central Iowa um, that knew him from his time at Iowa state. Um, But I've seen people two years ago, I think green County was one and eight his first year and then went eight and two and made the playoffs his second year. Um, And then Roosevelt was six and three. And, you know, I'm sure you've heard this said before. It's very true. Um, in coaching, not all wins are created equal. Um, you know, I mean, six and three at Roosevelt is, is different than six and three at some other places. And that's not a knock on Roosevelt, but I mean, you know, you're playing the, those um, suburban Des Moines schools sometimes, and he made them competitive in a hurry. Um, they were, and they were one and one this year. They played Valley really close in the first game of the year. It sounds like they had a chance to, um, to win that game. But I've been hearing for a couple of years. I never imagined that it would be a coach that was coming to Iowa City. Honestly, never did. Never, you know, thought that would be the case. But I've heard people talk really highly about Coach Moore for a long time, Rob. Um, just the jobs that he's done in high school and a guy that, that wants to coach high school football and, and has really taken some places and taken him, turned him into perennial winners quickly. Um, so his resume is impressive. And the one thing that stands out, I think what stands out to a lot of people is, you know, five years at a division one program. Uh, what stands out to me is, and I'm, I played small college sports. You know, I know a lot of, a lot of people that, that coach in small college sports still Wisconsin whitewater, man, they win. Yep. It's them. And, and, and I mean, they don't, I mean, it's national championship is the goal every year. I think he, as a, I think it said he was a three-year letter winner I read and they were like 49 and three. Um, and you know, he's been a winner everywhere he's been, but something about those small college programs, um, it relates well to high school. I think, I think there's a lot of, you know, parallels you can make between the two. Um, but you know, in D in D three football, it's, it's Mount union and, and maybe Mary Harden Baylor in Texas and, in uh, whitewater. I mean, those are the teams every year. Um, and so he, he's obviously done a lot of winning in his career as a player and a coach, but I think a really good hire for city high. Um, and obviously we talked a couple weeks ago about how much respect I have for coach Sabres. It's going to be kind of odd without coach Sabres, but I think they got a good one. Um, in somebody that has a background in a lot of different things, Rob defense offense. Uh, I think he's going to handle their strength and conditioning starting this summer. He's got a background in that as well. So, um, that's where it all kind of starts. And we've talked about that, how, how good of a job, you know, a lot of our area schools do with that city high included, but um, it's, it's interesting to think, you know, I mean, city high is, is we talked about this, you know, with coach savers there, that's, that's one of the premier football names in the state. Right. So it'd be interesting to see what, what coach Moore can do at city high, but I think they got a really good one. I really do. Looking at a bio, he participated and coached in six national title games at yeah. Wisconsin Whitewater, to your point. So yeah. he knows yeah. what it takes to get to a high level of football. I mean, like you said, he rebuilt two programs. And I'm not saying City High needs a complete overhaul rebuild, 
but you have a guy who's gone into two places that were kind of on struggling a little bit and, and he brought them to life. And that's kind of what you hope for here. And I think a great resource for him, Ryan, is having Dan Saber still here, a teacher in the school, a guy that knows this program. I saw, this was probably in your story. City High is kind of like, like University of Iowa. Yeah. They don't change no, coaches very often. No, no. It's five. He will be the fifth coach since 1947. We talked <laughs> about this. We talked about this, and I couldn't – I never got the exact number. Uh, and I mentioned um, John Raffensperger's book, and I, I, I had it at one point. I think Susan Harmon has it, um, <laughs> if I remember correctly. But, um, but it, no, we talked about this when we talked about Coach Sabres. Uh, a couple weeks ago. It was Coach Sabres for 20 years. It was Coach Brown, Larry Brown for 20 years. It was Frank Bates and it was Clyde Bean. Yeah. And that's back to 1947. Um, so all those guys were 20 plus years. I mean, you're talking about what I think I had it in my story. What is, what is that? 73 years. I mean, <laughs> that's incredible. Um, but, but that's kind of the fiber of city high or, or has been, you know, I mean, you city high people in, in it's true. And you love it. Very passionate about city high. And that was Dan. Um, it is Dan coach Sabres. Um, but absolutely. Uh, coach Sabres. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. I, I still, I'm assuming that when I go to a girl's, the first girls basketball game or wrestling meet or boys basketball game, I go to that coach Sabres will be up in the corner of the gym. Yep. Um, I will be, I would <laughs> like to see him and shake his hand. I'll be disappointed if he will, if he's not, but that's just who he is. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's a great resource in a lot of the, in, you know, in a lot of those guys that are on, that were on his staff, I, I don't know what coach Moore is going to do with that, but I mean, those guys, a lot of those guys, I'm assuming we're, are going to be around in some capacity, you know, to, to help, to help him. Um, but just because of that passion that, that city high people have for city high. So I, I think, and again, there's a lot of different ways to, to look at a coaching resume or to, to not just your resume, but to learn how to do different things. But, um, you know, the longer I do this and the longer I look at coaching hires and everything, coaches that win consistently hit different, especially at different places, it seems like, you know, that kind of travels. And, and yeah. I do think there's a lot of parallels between the small college and high school, um, maybe more than, maybe more than small college and big college, college, although there's a lot of coaches that have done that as well. Mm -hmm. But, the first thing that stands out to you is, you know, everywhere that Coach Moore has been, has been successful, like you said. And I think you can make parallels between all three of the high school jobs that he's had now, going from Greene County to going to, to Roosevelt to going to City High. You can certainly probably make parallels between Roosevelt and City High, um, just as far as the conferences that they're in and the situations that they're in and the schedules that they play. Um, so, again, I think a really good situation – for city high and, and I'm, I'm excited to, to meet coach. You know, like I said, I've, I've, I've heard really good things about him from a while or for, for a while before I ever even imagined that you know, he'd be coaching in our area. So congratulations to coach Moore. And I'm sure he's excited to get to work at, at city high. It'll be interesting to see what, what type of staff he builds. Ryan, he had uh, Todd Blythe, former Iowa state receiver and Tavian banks on his staff at Roosevelt. So that time at Iowa State, he's pretty well connected with, and, you know, there's a lot of really good football minds in our area here in the Iowa City, you know, and, and surrounding communities. So, um, and then he's got, you know, guys that were on Coach Saber's staff, 
you know, if they want to continue doing what they're doing, he'll have a lot to choose from. And I think he'll, he'll be able to put together a pretty good staff. And that's without question. I mean, I think the city high staff is really good. The, the staff that's been there, we've talked about that before, but you look at all the staffs within Iowa city, all the mm -hmm. high schools, Regina West, um, Liberty. And you look at the, the football knowledge yeah. of, of, and I love it because those guys have, you know, to a, to a man, all those assistants, um, anytime I've ever asked them stuff, they've almost always taken the time. And, and even at Clear Creek as well, I shouldn't say even, at Clear Creek as well, at West Branch, uh, Solon. at Solon. Yeah, I mean, look at – and those guys are great because lots of times when I go to practices, and you know this as, as a reporter, you go to practices, and those are the guys that you see a lot sometimes, and they'll walk over and, and talk to you for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've I've, I really have learned a lot about football in the seven years that I've been here by talking to all of the area assistants. Um, like I said, I was, I was text messages with text messaging with coach Hinkle. Um, I talked to both him and coach Dumont when I was over there last week at Regina, um, coach Mead and, and coach Durham, you know, assistants at West High are always, they give me a ton of information. They help me with stuff. Um, like just, and it's like that at all, you know, coach Wilcox at side, their offensive coordinator, all those guys have been huge helps to me as I try to understand things, you know, and, and, and learn things. And, and it's just like that at all of our, at all of our area schools. Um, and so that's been, you know, I could go down the list, but I've spent a ton of time talking to John Hirschman at West Branch. He's been a huge help to me. All the guys at Clear Creek on Coach Baker's staff and, and guys like Aaron Campman at Solon that, you know, take the time. And so, yeah, you, you make a great point. In this Iowa City area, and those are just the guys that are currently doing it. And right. you look at some of the guys that have been at those schools in the past that aren't doing it anymore, whether, you know, their kids are out. But he'll have options, you know, tons of options i'm sure like you said he's well connected he doesn't need our help or my help but to to tell him who knows football but there's a lot of guys around here uh for very in this area that that know an awful lot about the sport so good it's a good spot for coach Moore. yep it'll be interesting to see how he does um and hopefully football is more normal next fall where there's fans and everything like that but um Probably not going to be normal this winter, Ryan, whenever and, you know, wherever it's being played, we'll, we'll kind of have to see. And maybe we'll get into this more next week once we have a better handle on yeah. maybe how the fall or the winter sports are looking in terms of schools being online. I think there's still going to be a little bit more room there for what's going to happen. So it's probably best for us to maybe wait another week to kind of see how, how things develop there. But you have uh, – you, you've gotten people – uh, giving people a chance to kind of get back into the winter sports from the fall sports um, on your prep sports by uh, uh, posting three stories. Uh, one for each of the basketball, girls and boys basketball players to watch, and yeah. then uh, this year's wrestlers to watch. We don't want to uh, give it all away here so we can get people on the site and so they read who all those players <laughs> are. But why don't you give us kind of an overview of what you kind of found when you dug into those three areas? Yeah, that's – I like to start, you know, our, our season coverage with those lists, just like you said, just, just as kind of a tease, right? Like right. you're going to – we're going to have more coverage. We're going to have more winter sports coverage coming. Um, like Rob said, I just – everybody, everybody take a deep breath. I, I really mean that. We have, we have girls basketball tomorrow, Rob. Coach Jamie Smith, Solon Spartans, kickoff your prep sports area cover or 
games tomorrow, Coach Smith. And guess what, like, Ryan? We'll what? have a photo gallery of yes. that game, and people can come to your prep sports and buy those photos, just like they can buy photos of all of our sports from the summer and the fall. We've got galleries galore at your prep sports. Go to the front page, click on buy photos. You'll see if if your kid competed <laughs> in the summer and the fall, there's a really good chance you'll find a photo of him or her on in one of those galleries. Can, can anyone tell that Rob spent an entire <laughs> weekend uploading photos? No, I'm just joking. He, Rob did spend an entire weekend uploading photos, uploading photos to those galleries. So kudos to Rob because they're there. You can find them. They're, I, I actually love it. They're easy to search because they're by event, which yep. I think is a great thing. So you can look and say, hey, you know, tomorrow – Solon girls basketball versus center point Urbana. And you're like, I mean, it's not by date. You don't have to remember the date. Um, you know, it's, it's right there. It's easily searchable. Um, and we've and got uh, this weekend, Ryan, I added items. So you can get Christmas ornaments with your kids yeah. on them. You can get uh, plates, uh, <laughs> you know, ceramic tile yeah. thing. I mean, you can, if, if you really want to yeah. go all out and get Christmas presents for the relatives all over the country, it's a one-stop shop. I'm not lying. Regina football parents, you can eat turkey. You can put the turkey <laughs> on a plate that has a picture of your son holding the state championship trophy. Or I don't know. I don't know if they do gravy boats. I don't want to get ahead of myself. You, can, you no, probably can't get mugs. gravy boats. We have mugs. Oh, there you you can go. put gravy in the mug. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rob's going to get me started here. No, we, we have basketball tomorrow. Um, I was going to say, Coach Smith, I almost missed it. I don't know how, but I got my schedules. My last schedule's typed in in time that I realized we have a girls' basketball game tomorrow. I almost missed it, but no, I – Center we'll point, have right? What's that? Center point, Solon Center Point girls tomorrow night at yeah. Solon. Yeah, and actually, I'll talk about it just for a minute since that's our Solon girls basketball fans will be happy. that This is what you get for being first game in the area. <laughs> um, you, get, you get a little preview on the Seven Nation pod. Um, this is a good – Solon's going to be they, – they made huge progress last year. They, they had – they really did. They were um, – I think they went from, from three wins to nine wins. Coach Smith did a heck of a job in his staff. He has a really good – we just talked about it. He has a really good group of assistants. Um, but – they think they're going to be a lot better this year and they think they have a really good team. And, it, and I think knowing coach Smith, this is just the way that he would like it. Rob is you come out the gate the, the right before you're going to have some practice time and you play a team that has been the gold standard or close to the gold standard in your conference right off the bat. Cause center point Urbana is state tournament team every year. They're right in that conversation every year. They're really good. They're going to be really good again. I think they're ranked third, maybe preseason. I can't remember, but, they're going to be good, good coach, good, good system, good tradition. So I think it's a great spot for Solon to come out and, and you know, you, you like where you're at. You like where your team is. You bring a ton back. You have a really good freshman point guard. Um, and so let's, you know, let's see where we're at. And then, and then they have a little bit of time to practice. They, I think they also have West Liberty on Saturday, uh, Rob, which was going to be part of the rivalry Saturday deal at a rivalry Saturday deal at uh, co. And I think that's just a single game now at West Liberty double, so on people, I might be wrong. Double check your schedule, but I think that's what they did with that. And West Liberty is going to be really good too. So Solon's going to find out a lot 
in the first five or six days. But I, I, from what I know about Coach Jamie Smith, that's the way he likes it. I mean, he wants to see – he wants to challenge them and see where they're at. But, no, we'll have a lot more winter sports here this week, um, depending on how much I eat and, and how sleepy I get and how much my, my family drives me nuts and how much time I spend in my basement. But we're going to have our, our – the next couple of weeks we'll have a lot of good winter sports um, stories and previews and stuff, looking more at those sports. Uh, I was going to say, everybody take a deep breath. It's going to be – it's going to be a day by day. It's going to, not, not for our coverage, but just for like Rob said, how it goes this fall uh, with some schools online. It's going to be, um, you know, take it day by day. Could be a little bumpy early, but eventually yeah. they're going to play. So let's right. just we're, kind of, we're going to get through it. And and I know it's frustrating. Take it. Yeah, yeah. Take it day by day. Kind of like we did in the fall. Uh, stay positive. Um, but we're going to have good, co- we're going to have some good preview coverage, wrestling, boys, basketball, some swimming, uh, bowling, all those winter sports. We'll have some stuff on those. And then also we're going to have our final wraps from the fall season. We'll do our all area teams, our all your prep sports teams, which I love doing our athletes of the year uh, for all those fall sports. But um, I like to start the winter season, Rob, with those athletes to watch just as like a little, you know, get excited before we really dive into it. And I, I say this every year and I said it at the end of the fall with how good our falls teams were, man, we have some loaded, we have some, some studs in this area in the winter sports. We really do. It's like, I'm like, I was going to do five, you know, five to watch five girls, basketball players, five boys, basketball players, five wrestlers. And it was 10 for both. (laughs) And I had to, and I had, and it was hard to trim it down. Um, So I, you know, again, I I really mean that. Like I could have put 20, um, West Branch girls basketball is ranked number one to start the year. They're, they're going to be really good. Coach Tylee has a really good group. Um, Sasha Koenig is one of my favorite players to, to watch. Kid just – if you want to see a kid that loves to play, um, Sasha Koenig. City will be really good again. Um, they're always really good. Um, West will be really good again. B.J. Mayer is a great coach. He has, he, they have a really good group again. Audrey Cook is, is another – one of my favorite kids to cover just you won't meet a nicer kid and man she is she's going to providence rob um she's really really good can shoot can score at all three levels um i think was second or third in the state last year and get in most free throws gets to the line um 510 511 can shoot it to three um has a good intermediate game super fun to watch so our girls basketball is loaded and, and I'm not even, and that's, Solon's going to be a lot better. Clear Creek was a state tournament team last year. Um, Coach Sweeney's group brings a lot back. They're going to be good. Um, Liberty's going to be better. Um, Coach Princey's group will be better. Like our, our girls basketball is just Regina. Uh, Mary Halverson did a great job last year. So, and then boys basketball, again, just, we have some really, I was just doing that. That was one of the ones I did last night or posted last night and read over it. We have some really, really, really good boys basketball players, Rob. Um, Solon has a new coach. Jared Galpin is coming over from Regina. They have some talent. Um, obviously, West High, you know, Coach Bergman, talked to Coach Bergman the other day. Um, City High is going to be better, I think. They bring an awful lot back from last year. They were young. Um, Liberty has maybe maybe their best team. Um They've, you know, fourth year, I think they're ready to make a big jump. Coach Ordman and Coach Kelly do a really good job over there. So Ashton Cook, 
hopefully Ashton gets a full season. We just talked about him in football. Man, he was having an incredible year in basketball last year, averaging like 17 points and eight rebounds a game. And then um, they had to miss the, the last 12 games this season. West Branch boys basketball is going to be really good, Rob. Um, Iowa football fans, Jeff Bowie is <laughs> – a handful. I don't know if you saw him at all I last saw year. Saw Solon last year. He was the best. He he had the best game of anybody that night. He was just unstoppable inside. He's a handful. Um, moves really good. He's one of those guys you watch him play basketball. You can see why um, so many Division One football programs wanted him. Um, he's healthy. And then they have a they have Simon Palmer who went out for football this year. Um, it had a good year playing tight end, but he's six four six five. Those two are going to be a really good handful. Simon can shoot it, you know, to 17 feet really well. So they're going to be really good. Jason Kern, their coach, does a, has done a fantastic job. So, And then really, Rob, the last one of those I did um, was wrestling. And holy cow, we have some absolute hammers in our area for wrestling. I mean, I, like I really mean this. Some of the, a couple of the best wrestlers in the state, um, Ben Keeter at City High, unbeaten last year i i kind of rely on the wrestling coaches to help me out with some of this stuff there's a lot of different wrestling publications but um one of them has him number 13 in the country at 195 uh he's a sophomore and that's you know that's all classes so a lot of those guys that are ahead of him are juniors and seniors but he is a absolute stud um he's he is a big kid he was 160 last year i think he's probably 195 I think is what I think they had him at 195 but he is fun to watch and I'm no wrestling guru but man he is intense and gets after it and then Hayden Taylor at Solon is already won two state championships he's lost he was undefeated last year I think he's lost two matches in his career he is a absolute stud um those two are and Hunter Garvin at what I almost I not forgot but I like literally our wrestlers are so good that I've talked about two guys that are that good. And I haven't even gotten to Hunter Garvin, who's a runner up as a freshman, a state champion last year. And then Graham Gambrell who, at West High, who was a state champion last year. I mean, Rob, and, and that's four. And I, again, I, I cut, I didn't have guys on that list that were state qualifiers last year. Um, a bunch of state medalists coming back. West High is going to be good. City High is going to be young, but they're going to be really good. Uh, Solon's got a Gage Marty's a medalist coming back. A lot of really good wrestlers, Rob. Um, so there'll be a lot, plenty to write about there too. Looking forward to the winter season and being inside. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, guys. We're going to wrap this podcast up, but um, we'll see. We, we may be back Wednesday. If not, we'll be back a week from today. And what we'll do now going forward, that was kind of just a little bit of kind of let you wet your whistle a little bit there with some – some winter sport preview, but we'll dive deeper into each of these sports and preview them a little bit more. We may take like a podcast, you know, just for girls basketball, one for boys basketball, one for wrestling, where we dive in a little bit deeper on each of those as Ryan is able to dive deeper into his written previews and, and we'll give people a little bit of look, uh, a little bit of uh, insight on what to look for this winter. Uh, we'll do that coming up here within the next week or so. Does that sound good, Ryan? That's awesome. So thanks for listening. If we don't talk to you before, have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, be safe. 
And uh, we will talk to you on the Seven Nation podcast again soon. Say goodbye, Ryan. Thank you. Bye.